Hi! How is everyone doing? I'm so excited to be recording right now. I know I missed putting out an episode last Friday, so I do apologize, but I have a feeling that if you did listen to the episode before, that you might have sensed that perhaps I would be missing one. So I've gone through a lot of changes within a very short amount of time on a personal note. And so I kind of wanted to bring you into the fold on that a little bit, as much as is comfortable at this point. And then to also hopefully leave you with some parting words that can take you into into your day, into your weekend, um, and give you maybe some perspectives on some things for your personal life as well. So let's just dive in. I moved to Florida from Missouri. So it's a pretty large move. It's about a 12 hour drive. Me and my dog packed up my car basically with just clothes and a few belongings, everything that I need to work, such as all of my you know, tech equipment, and then some books. And then I put a few things in my dad's basement to store. And yeah, I'm here. Such a crazy thing, honestly. So I'm living with one of my best friends. I've known her since high school. And so it's it's really nice being here with her in her space because she moved. She's kind of been all over the place since high school. And as far as like moving to all kinds of different places, she's military. And so I haven't really gotten to see her much in the last, I don't know, 10-ish years. So it's kind of nice being here, being here with her and kind of, you know, reconnecting this is a lot of time that we've missed. So I'm here and just trying to insert myself <laughs> in the area. I'm in the panhandle, so I'm not too deep into Florida by any means. This is actually the area that my family historically had been vacationing every summer. So I was kind of familiar with it. But you know, being a Cancer, I'm like, yes, this ocean, the water, it's so beautiful, it's so nice, but my fair, my very fair skin is, let's just say I've got a lot of sunscreen, <laughs> and I'm using it all the time, all the time. I don't go too far without sunscreen, but it is really, really nice. I really do enjoy it, just like environmentally. And so anyway, I'm in such an interesting place right now in my personal life. I'm, I'm not really going to stay here with my friend very long in the grand scheme of things. I'll probably be here three months at a minimum, six months at the max is, is about my guess. And then I just need to move somewhere else anywhere. I, I have, I was born, raised, went to college, started building my adult life in Missouri. I've never lived anywhere else. I've visited other, other places, but I've never lived anywhere else. So I don't want to go back to Missouri. 
So if anyone has suggestions, I would love to hear them. At this point, I'm leaning heavily into Portland, Oregon. It's a really, really funny story. I'll keep it short and sweet. That 2015, I was in another period of where do I live? And the options that I saw on the table were to continue to rent the apartment that I was in but alone instead of with the roommate that I had, or buy a house, or move to Portland, Oregon. I don't know why Portland was in my mind, but it was. I knew no one from Portland at that time. I didn't really know anything about it other than, at the time, I would have described it kind of hipstery, and I would describe myself kind of like that. It just seemed like a good vibe place that I wanted to be. And I let my parents talk me into not doing that. <laughs> and I was also very afraid of the cost of moving. So instead I buy a house, <laughs> arguably more expensive than moving across the country, but it seemed to make sense to me. So anyway, now that I have, I'm in this stage in my life where anything is possible, I'm thinking Portland again. Last year, I was thinking possibly Austin, Texas, and it's still on the table. I like the area. I visited last year for my birthday, and it was nice. I actually like the heat. I mean, I have a July birthday, so I was there in July, and I didn't mind it. I, I like to sweat. I don't know. I'm crazy, maybe. But... It was nice. It was a really cool vibe. I like the motto of keep Austin weird. I'm weird. So it, it was really cool to me, I thought. But for whatever reason, it's not, it doesn't feel as, mm, like last year, it was such a, I gotta get there. Like there was such a really strong pull and a very big push to get there. And now... It doesn't feel so charged. And that could be due to the fact that I've been there and seen it. But I wasn't there for very long. I was only there for maybe two days. So I really didn't get fully immersed. So I don't know if that is the reason that it doesn't seem so charged now. But yeah, I'm leaning into Portland more at this point. So all that to say... One, if you have suggestions, I'd love to hear them. Anything is on the table, really. I will say, though, I am more more leaning toward the coasts, not being very far inland, but, you know, I could be swayed. So yeah, if you have a suggestion where to live, love to hear it. Or two, if you know anything about Portland or even Austin, like any suggestions or people to connect with or anything like that. Again, I'm, I'm here. I'm here to connect. But you may be asking yourself, maybe, maybe not, or wanting to ask me, okay, why? What is going on? Why, why are you in this, this situation? Why are you in this opportunity space what was the <laughs> the very elusive intro to the last episode what was all that about so like i said in that in that intro for the episode i don't want to go too deep into specifics 
because it's still very fresh. Another person is involved. So I want to give, you know, all of us time to kind of work through what's been going on. It, it, it's absolutely not ready to talk very deeply about it on, on all kinds of levels. But what it is, is a breakup. So my partner and I of almost six years decided to part ways. And we had been living together for the majority of that time. So it prompted the move because I was living in his house. So I had to go somewhere. I just want to say, like, there's no animosity between either one of us. No one did anything wrong to the other. Like, we we even still talk because we are really good friends. And that was one of the things that we recognized about our relationship is that, damn, we're just really good friends. <laughs> like, we got the friend part down. So, you know, there's no animosity, but at the base, and this is about the extent to what I feel comfortable talking about at this point. At the base, it is more or less that we are just two puzzle pieces that don't fit together well. It's like, if you've ever put a puzzle together and you think that these two pieces go together because for the most part, the shapes do match, but not completely. And I don't know if you've, okay. So like a really big puzzle, like a jigsaw puzzle, I suppose, where all the pieces are pretty small. There's a lot of times where I'll be doing those and I will put two pieces together that basically fit. They fit so well that I can't even tell in the moment that they don't go together until I keep going and going and then I finally figure out that there's an issue. That's what we're like. It's like we go together, but not really. So that's that was conflicting in me because I, you know, for the most part, I was still in that thinking of like, yeah, I already got that. That's solved. Let me move on to other parts of the puzzle. And then, you know, you're working your way back to where those pieces are. And then, so you're trying to put the other pieces there and you're like, but that doesn't work. Why doesn't that work? Oh, because these two just aren't quite right. So that was kind of the phase that I was in mentally and emotionally of kind of finding my way back, trying to put some pieces together and they just weren't. And yeah, it, it, it's hard. It's, it's hard to have that realization that what you thought was a really good fit and in a lot of ways is a great fit, just still isn't quite right. That's all I'll say about the actual breakup at this point, I do know that I'll, I'll speak about it more in depth later on, but I want to give both of us time. Neither one of us are really ready. I'm not ready to talk about it, really. He's probably not ready for it to be aired somewhere. I did give him a heads up, but, you know, hey, this will 
probably make its way into my work and he's like, I wouldn't expect <laughs> anything different, but there is a divine timing and everything, right? So on that note, divine timing, that was, you know, a little bit of a theme with the last episode of, of why that one was being released at the time. And so actually today, I kind of want to go a little bit deeper on that. And this is where, you know, this information will be a bit more useful for you. So we talked in the last episode quite a bit about a particular gate. And that was gate 10. And I'm actually going to read to you an excerpt of, let me get the title exactly correct. Understanding Human Design, The New Science of Astrology, Discover Who You Really Are by Karen Curry Parker. This is a great starting book for learning human design. So if that is of interest to you, I highly recommend this book. It gives you the basics of pretty much everything, everything that you would need to know early on in your um, studies. So it's a really good book. And one thing that I really like about her writing is that it is not too heady. If you've tried to read anything from Ra Uruhu, the uh, creator of human design, some of his writing, some of his speech can be hard to grasp at times. Or just might rub you the wrong way if you don't like his personality, which a lot of people don't. So anyway, I'm going to read to you what Karen wrote about gate 10. And this is the gate called love of self. And from an astrology perspective, this gate falls on falls in a gate that is actually occupied by two zodiac signs. So if you did not know, all of the gates in human design actually do fall within zodiac signs. That is how you basically get the chart is because, you know, the planets are wherever they are in the sky on a, on a zodiacal basis. So in one of the signs, right? And that then corresponds with a certain gate. So... Gate 10 falls in in between Sagittarius and Capricorn. So what's fascinating is in the last episode with Mallory Leone, all of her gate 10 planets were all in Sagittarius. And my gate 10 planet, which actually is not a planet, it is my north node, is in Capricorn. So it's really interesting to see the differences between the, the different expressions. And on a more deeper level, human design-wise, what differentiates that is the, is the line. So within a gate, all six lines fall into each gate. So in gate 10, you know, a f few of those lines will be Sagittarius, and then a few of those lines would be Capricorn. So that's how the differentiation would, would come out. So Karen Curry Parker's words about gate 10. Gate 10 is one of the most significant gates. It is rooted in the identity center and associated with empowerment. The energy of empowerment in this gate is lived out by example. Someone with this gate empowers others to live out their magnificence by demonstrating their own magnificence. 
Gate 10 can be a difficult energy. It, in its highest expression, this is a gate of taking personal responsibility and acting in an empowered way. In its low expression, it is the energy for blaming others and taking a victim stance. As this energy can be amplified by those who do not have it, the theme of blame can be prevalent in the life of the person carrying the energy of gate 10. People with gate 10 get blamed or blame others when they live out of their conditioning. So I bring this up not to talk about myself more. Believe me, super tempting. Love it. We love that. <laughs> we love talking about ourselves. But if there's anything that I'm ready to talk about in terms of this breakup is that it has been one of the biggest initiators for me into understanding this gate 10. And then in a broader spectrum that I actually really want to offer to you to ponder on is trusting myself. So on the one hand, the gate 10 aspect of this, you know, loving myself, loving myself so much, um, loving myself enough to know when it is time to end a situation or end a relationship. For a cancer, ending a relationship, that's kind of hard. Even if I'm a Capricorn rising in Aquarius moon, I mean, I am a detached bitch, that is for sure, but also not at the same time, which is confusing. <laughs> but for a Cancer, it is pretty hard to finally be like, no, this, this relationship is not correct. And especially for someone with a son in the seventh house, or really anyone who's ha who has very strong seventh house activity. So if you have a lot of planets in the seventh house, or the ruling planet of your seventh house is prominent for your chart, then, then relationship for you is something that is quite important. The reason for the importance that depends on your specific chart and what's going on. But it, it, what is for sure is that relationships are going to play a big role for you in some way. In a lot of ways, I find identity within relationship, which is an interpretation, one interpretation of son in the seventh house. So I find a lot of identity through partnership. But, you know, if I'm following my work at all, which I believe very strongly in the importance of the North Node and the South Node as well. That's one of the reasons why I read to you this gate 10. My nodes are in the first house. My North Node is in the first house of self, South Node in the seventh house of partnership. So this is a huge life theme of mine. And I know deep within me that this is a part a big part of how I can make more of an impact on people is living the expression of the North Node in the first and the South Node in the seventh to show you what it looks like to deeply love yourself and deeply trust yourself while also being able to be in relationship and not completely give, not completely, hmm. See, this is the part that I'm still learning, 
right? So I don't even really know how to fully articulate it. Because right now, I am very much in my North Node. So much in my North Node. I'm like, you know what? I I finally am saying what is right for me. And I'm going to give that to myself. Now, what's going to be interesting is learning how to be my most authentic, independent self while also being in a supportive, loving, amazing relationship. Not that the relationship that I came out of wasn't those things, but there did feel like there was some kind of a sacrifice of self in a sense. Like I said, I'll get deeper into that later on, but I do know that feeling is true, that there was a component of sacrificing myself to some degree, which is not something that a defined identity-centered person will ever want to do, ever. If you do have a defined identity center and you do find yourself constantly shifting your identity or your sense of self to fit with another person or a group of people or a way of being, if, if you find that you are constantly adjusting yourself, that is a really big red flag. That is not what you are here for. You are here to know who you are and follow that as your guiding light. And that's something that I'm learning right now. And that's something that I want you to learn also. Because that's what I was doing pretty much my entire life, is living in the shadow of the defined G-center or defined identity center. And that shadow can look like an open identity center. So the open identity center is here to sample other people, like sample other ways of being, other ways of living, to really deeply know and understand others. It's not that an open identity center or undefined, there is a slight distinction between the two. So I just want to make that known. There is undefined and then there's open. So it's not that an undefined identity center isn't here to have their own identity or to know who they are. That's not it. It's really important for the undefined identity center to be able to sample others because that is one of the ways that they learn. They learn all kinds of things through that. So if you are a defined identity center, though, and you find yourself form-fitting to other people, like a lot of kids do, maybe not necessarily kids, but, you know, when you're in middle school or high school and you just want to fit in, and so you just end up being the same as maybe your best friend or a partner in any way and you just become them you start listening to their their music you start dressing similar to them etc etc a lot of people do that in adolescence but if you are a defined identity center in your adulthood and you're still doing that i would like to invite you into confronting yourself and asking, who are you? What do you want? What is your direction? 
What is your sense of self? And if you can't answer those questions, that's okay. Please know that that is okay. There's a lot of things there to likely unpack, but I would like to invite you into that journey, into finding out who you are. And and clearing away all of the things that are not you so that you can finally be you. Because your magic is when you are being you. (laughs) Your magic is when you are being you. You are an example. You're an example for other people. When a defined identity-centered person is being their most authentic self, it inspires other people to do the same. Even if they're an open identity center or an undefined identity center, that's okay. They can be inspired to do the same. And that is important. Oh, one thing I love about the undefined or open identity center is that they have such a good temperature gauge on knowing who a community is, being able to speak to the collective. That's one of the big, powerful things of of an undefined or open G-Center. It's so magic. I'm a little, little jelly. So this breakup is not the first time I've had to make a big life-altering decision and have it be a moment where I had to fully trust myself. That's, that's one thing that I am finding these days is just how important it is to be able to trust yourself. It's, and the, the beautiful thing about trusting yourself is that it's not that you need to trust that you're always going to make the right move or the right decision. It's that you trust yourself so much to be able to work through anything. So let's take, let's take the breakup for an example. I was waffling so much. Like, is that the move? Is that not the move? Is that the move? Is that not the move? You know, I really was not listening to my authority. (laughs) And my authority is splenic. So it's pretty fast in the moment, kind of subtle. It spoke to me a while ago. I didn't listen. So when I didn't listen, then it puts me into my brain, into my mind, and puts me into a place where I'm trying to logic my way through it, and that's just not going to work. So it took a lot of work for me to get it back down into my body and to really feel it again, to really know that that is the move. And then that brings in so many questions. You live with this person, so where are you going to go? They financially support you. How are you going to make money? You know, those are the biggest two things. (laughs) Oh, you are turning 29 and you're gonna go back into the dating scene eventually? That sounds terrible. I haven't been in the dating scene for almost six years. And from what I've heard, a lot of stuff has changed in that amount of time. So, you know, and then there's also the other question of, is it too late for me biologically? You know, can can I meet another person 
in a, a realistic amount of time and then be able to still have babies if that's even in the cards for me. So all of those really big questions that were going through my head, but I had a deep knowing that even though this is the hardest move to make, it's also the right one. And I had to trust that. No choice but to trust that. And so then it became not a question of is this the right or wrong choice. The question, or it, it wasn't even a question, the realization came that you're gonna, you've made this decision and now you need to deal with it. You need to get yourself from point A to point B. You can do this. You've done it before. You've done hard things before. You can do this. You have proof that you can trust yourself to do the hard things. You can trust yourself to make it work. You can trust yourself that you will survive. You know, I didn't really make enough notes for this episode, and you can tell. <laughs> I know. You, you dear listener, can tell. So I don't necessarily know where to take it, but I think that's, that's the basis, though. That's what I want to offer you today, is do you trust yourself to get yourself through anything? And if you don't, I would like to talk about that. If you want an ear, a shoulder, whatever, I'm here. I would love to talk about that because I've come to realize that that's a lot of what I do. In the past, I've been working with people in their business. I've been, you know, just doing readings you know, even further back. And if I really look at the consistent conversations that I have with people, it is always about, hey, you're fucking amazing. Here's where it is. Oh, those feelings that you've been having, this is what that means. This is what your intuition feels like. This is what your decision-making feels like. Here is how you actually trust yourself. You can trust yourself. So a lot of what I end up doing is helping people figure out that they can trust themselves. And that was a big realization. Did not ever think that I would be into that. But I'm glad that I am. So if this is to say, if you want to talk about that, I'm here. Let's talk about it. I want you to trust yourself. I want you to. But do you want to? Do you want to trust yourself? And if you do trust yourself already, freaking awesome. Like, that is so powerful. You are unstoppable when you can trust yourself. You know why? Because you're going to make the hard decision because you know you can survive. You know you can get yourself through anything. You know that you can make it work. That's what happens when you trust yourself. I hope you enjoyed this fairly ranty, kind of all over the place episode. Like I said, I am committing to every Friday. I know I missed last Friday. I was in the middle of the move. What I should have done better is notify you. So that's on me. I will do better. But I have committed to every Friday. 
So I'm going to do that. Even if that means that an episode sounds like this, and that's a little all over the place, and it's a little self-serving. But that's my work. That's my work as a North Node in the first house, is to figure out myself, <laughs> more or less. And my figuring out of myself, my deepest desire is that it would inspire you to figure out yourself.